Good evening, world. This is the podcast Sassafras and your hostess, Laura Cattell. Coming in a little late tonight. Apologize. Sometimes that's just how the life rolls. Mm. It's been one of those days. It's been one of those days. Okay, so we finished off chapter four yesterday. And I kept it short and sweet so that we could really, really start the next podcast right on a high note. So we'll start chapter five today. Gifts from Heaven. And just a quick recap of chapter chapter 4 was, I guess, unofficially the action chapter. Right? We practiced working as if. Uh, we practiced, uh, um, maybe we reca- recapped token deeds and things you can do. We had quite a few fantastic exercises. We covered quite a few fantastic affirmations. We covered the difference of words that you say automatically on default and the words that you choose deliberately. They come with different intent, different feeling. Feeling is power. Excuse me. Alright, so we went through quite a bit. And today we are landing on chapter 5. If you want some really fantastic as-if examples and um, ways you can adapt them to your own end result, I highly invite you to go over the last five podcasts. Alright, so, Virgin Chapter, haven't looked anything into it. Before we get any farther, my shout out to the restaurant industry, all my guys and gals out there in Foodland, thank you for all you do, thank you for all you've done. Thank you for all your sacrifices. Sometimes for some very inconsiderate and rude people. Thank you anyway. And if you're feeling stressed out and overwhelmed, please, please don't do anything you can't take back. Please don't quit. Don't quit. Alrighty. So, chapter 5, Gifts from Heaven, book Infinite Possibilities, from Mr. Mike Dooley. Alright. We've talked about thoughts, we've talked about beliefs, and we've talked about emotions and actions. But which comes first? Where does the cycle begin? What inspires our thoughts, which then become things that give rise to our emotions, emotions from which we pass judgment, formulate beliefs, and then base our subsequent thoughts, feelings, and actions upon? Where does the chain start? In chapter 3, Blessed Emotions, I said that in the beginning, what was necessary for time and space to explode into existence was a profoundly huge wish or desire made or felt by God and or divine intelligence, and therein lies the answer. Desire comes first. It precedes time and space, and it's what we are born of. And now we are inside this wish. Divine ourselves. Creators ourselves. Here to take this dream to another level with our own inborn desires. And we can do this because we've been endowed with free will and the power to think our own thoughts. It seems so humdrum, doesn't it? The power to think our own thoughts. Well, of course we think our own thoughts. I'm thinking thoughts all day long. According to science, we think approximately 60,000 thoughts on average. 
And yet, what is a thought? It has no mass, it has no volume, and yet it does have mass and volume. It is not a thing, and yet it is a thing. It technically does not exist, and yet, for better or worse, they control our lives. They create our reality for something that doesn't exist. Thoughts are such amazing things. They exist only in energy. And yet they come about perfectly formed, fully formed, full-fledged, as a thought. And that comes predisposed, pre... however you want to call it. What's, what's the word I'm searching for here? already endowed with the complete power to become a thing. Every single thought. 60,000 thoughts per day. And we're so used to it, we don't even stop to appreciate how magnificent that is. Just like sit back and go, Wow. All right. <clears throat> Just a moment of appreciation and gratitude there for the power of thought itself. And even though it is so mundane, it is has the most magically, mystically, scientifically confounding properties. <laughs> Go and do some thought experiments sometime and just see where your mind takes you. You might think you're crazy, you might think you're brilliant, but you will get something interesting, I promise. Alright, the dream is alive and well. Some of our desires and dreams are inborn while others we create or formulate during our journeys. Which I'll talk about later in this chapter. Sorry. Those that are inborn, as if implanted in our soul, and as much a part of us as our personalities, come from outside our normal awareness. It's been said by many that we are all spiritual beings having a human experience. And it's from the vastness of our present spiritual selves that we, bleh, that we receive direction and guidance in the form of our dreams and desires, as well as from our hunches, instincts, and impulses. It's our feelings that help us find our way. Another way to put this, to differentiate actually, um, to put a difference between intuition and feelings, as much as you put a difference between emotions and feelings, as we went over in Chapter 3, Blessed Emotions. Okay. It's our gut instincts, all right? Our, our intuition, our hunches, our, our third eye, our sixth sense, whatever, whatever you want to call it. We, we come with this crazy, amazing ability that we can hone and work on and, like, really make it precise. But to put it in commonplace vernacular, you could call it a gut feeling. 
Okay. So, these gifts from heaven, our intuitive feelings, have more of a celestial origin than, say, our normal thoughts, emotions, and actions, because there are more often byproducts of our experiences in time and space, arising as reactions to the events and circumstances we craft. Conversely, our feelings, and here I mean desires, intuitions, and impulses, not our emotions, come to us by divine means, as in gifts from heaven. Gifts because they originate outside our normal awareness, not from outside ourselves, but from within, independent of the physical world we live in. Of course, there's no real separation of our spiritual and physical selves, since space and distances are purely illusionary. But because we focus so completely on the reality of things and such, we've done a poor job of honing our spiritual faculties. By opening our spiritual eyes, however, we begin rubbing shoulders with our higher selves. We create opportunities for greater happiness and fulfillment, and we approach the magical source within us that gives birth to our awareness. Ooh-wee. Okay, let's unpack that just a minute. Hang on a second. Okay, so when he sits there and says feelings, generally, he is talking about desire, intuition, or impulse. Not how you normally ascribe feelings. Although I can understand where he's coming from. That kind of tricks my subconscious a little bit. It hurts my brain to see that. Because it's not, to me, it's not feeling. It's intuition, it's desire, it's impulse. I wouldn't necessarily group any of those into a feeling category, but that's me. Not that I'm necessarily disagreeing with the end result that he comes to because of that. That's just... Maybe it's just my habit or my belief. It just feels weird saying feelings in relationship to, in relationship to those three things. Although, at the same time... At the same time, it's correct. So it's it's just bugging me. It's just bugging the hell out of me. It's technically correct, and then at the same time, it's not. And I, I'm driving myself crazy here. My apologies. Okay, so hmm. All right. Intuition is that thing you want to listen to as much as you can. And the reason why it's so difficult sometimes is because when you're first starting to listen to it, it doesn't sound like other things. It whispers. It's a... it's a... It's a difficult thing to describe. They're not kidding when they say it's a gut feeling. All of a sudden your insides start to turn. And you know something's up, or you know someone's lying, or you know something happened in some faraway place. You can't tell what, you don't know what or why. You don't even know why you have the instinct that you do, but you do. For the same reason why when you apply for jobs, you only apply for these jobs, not those jobs. When you 
Uh, look for a house. You want that house. You don't want that house or that house. When you're looking for a car, you don't want that car. You want this car. All of those decisions are driven by not just an internal belief, but also your intuition. And he's stating here, oops, sorry, he's stating here that that is divinely gifted. That that desire comes from outside of our current um, physical form. As he said, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. So it comes from outside of the physical manifestation that is the human being that you walk around and call whatever it is that your name is. Okay, direct knowing. Our hunches, impulses, and intuitions are all forms of direct knowing, as is the spontaneous illumination I spoke of earlier, and they originate from a deeper place within us, from our higher selves. These bursts of insight sparkle truths about our reality and the dramas we are in the middle of creating. They're available to us as if through our own private window to divine mind, and they often appear when we least expect them. By training ourselves to seek them out, however, the wisdom they offer can be added to our own arsenals of truth. Since we are indeed unlimited spiritual beings, and because space is an illusion, we really are everywhere at once. Our awareness extends to and is part of the farthest reaches of space, encompassing every atom and molecule on planet Earth. Right now, as you're reading this, you're literally connected to people living their lives in China, Italy, and Saudi Arabia. To everyone, everywhere, always. Hmm. Some authors and animal behaviorists have scraped the tip of the iceberg by finding just such a connection that is now known, and hotly debated, as the hundredth monkey effect. Not only does this connection occur in present time, but it also stretches throughout eternity, past and future. We are all there and we are all one, so we have this pipeline, the direct connection with all knowledge and facts, in all times and places, past and future. And with this kind of knowledge, we do indeed already have access to infinite wisdom, unless we think or believe otherwise. If we think we are merely human beings, for example, only capable of knowing what we've been taught or what we've physically experienced, we severely curtail the flow of these fountains of insight. Okay, so I'm going to go um, over this really quickly before we get any farther. Hundredth monkey, if you haven't heard about it, is a scientific phenomenon in which a learned behavior spreads instantaneously from one group of monkeys to all related monkeys once a critical number is reached. By generalization, it means instantaneous. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say the hundred monthly effect happens here. What it it's part energy, but it's also part learned control and cultural conditioning. 
So the hundredth monkey is this. They started off with a group of monkeys, obviously, and they put a ladder in the middle and strung a banana up above the ladder. Whoever went up to go get the banana got squirted with water. So all eventually, all the monkeys learned not to go after the banana. Okay? They took one monkey out and replaced it with a new monkey that didn't know anything about the banana or anything about the conditioning that had been going on before. That new monkey tried going up to get the banana and the other monkeys kept the banana kept the monkey down from getting the banana. Then they took another of the original group out and replaced a new with a new one. Same thing happens. And then they took another of the original group out. And they did this again and again and again, but only after the conditioning had taken hold. Okay? And eventually they replaced the entire group. And there was none of the original monkeys left. But because of the conditioning, they still wouldn't let anybody go after the banana. None of these monkeys knew why. But that's the hundredth month monkey effect. Now, from now on, when a monkey gets introduced to that group in that scenario with that setting, they will keep whatever new monkey from going up the ladder to get the banana. They don't know why they're doing it. They just do it. And they'll do it to every single monkey that comes in. Until that monkey learns not to do it, and then so on and so forth, out to the hundredth monkey. They put it in more technological terms, but if I remember correctly, that's how the hundredth monkey experiment went. So I just wanted to put that so it was proper context before we went any further. He calls it a connection present in time stretching throughout eternity. But that's why I wouldn't use the hundredth monkey effect here. Or cite it here. Because it's as much cultural conditioning as it is, um, I guess, inherited genes or something. But he did call it hotly debated, so, you know, again, this was made 10 years ago, so that's been hotly debated and debated and debated, and I don't think they're any closer to finding an answer. So, since it's still being debated in the actual scientific community, I'm going to let that one drop, because that one makes myself scratch my head. Why he would put that here. But, say la vie. Okay. However, he is talking about... Um, very much quantum physics when he's sitting there saying space is an illusion because we really are everywhere at once. Time and space don't actually exist. Everything is happening at the same time. That's a very difficult concept to try and wrap your head around. But everything is happening at the same time. That's, yeah, no, I know, it's, it's a tough one. All right. So, we're all there, we're all one, so we have this pipeline. This direct connection with all knowledge and facts, 
in all times and places, past and future. And with this kind of knowledge, we do indeed already have access to infinite wisdom, unless we think or believe otherwise. If we think we're merely human beings, for example, only capable of knowing what we've been taught or what we've physically experienced, we severely curtail the flow from these fountains of insight. Basically, well, I mean, this goes back to belief. So, if you only believe this thing or that thing and you don't believe you can get insights or learn new things or um, that kind of, or etc., um, you will actually block those insights from happening. For the same reason why, let's say, if you're um, trying to manifest money, right? Everybody likes money. Trying to manifest money, but you believe the only way you can do that is through a paycheck. Might take you a while to get to where you want to if you're only working at a 7-Eleven you want to manifest $100,000. I'm just saying. Alright, because you're limiting the universe and the directions and the avenues that it can provide you that $100,000 from. Especially if you're very unwilling to go out and get another job or learn a new skill that could increase your value in the marketplace, making you worth more than uh, working at 7-Eleven would. Just using that as an example. Alright. Our connection to the infinite makes us all physics to the greatest degree. Excuse me. <laughs> all physics. All psychics to the greatest degree. I'm so funny. Although some of us can access this information more easily than others. The point here is realizing that your starting point for infinite knowledge and wisdom should begin with knowing that it's already at your disposal, even though you may have trained yourself into thinking that it's inaccessible. Most of us tend to think, and our society and the evolution of our beliefs has reinforced it, that we must behave as if we know nothing unless we can prove it or learn it intellectually generally from sources outside of ourselves. But the proof lies in your own unending experiences with direct knowing, your own personal revelations, during which, from one moment to the next, you went from having a question explicably, see, you went from having a question to inexplicably possessing its answer. People use their connection to spirit throughout their lives, and you can begin recognizing your experiences with it by simply asking yourself where any of your thoughts, memories, or ideas come from. Here's a little exercise. As you read these words, take a deep breath, hold it, and let it out. Now with your mind still and relaxed, Think back to any memory of your childhood that occurred before you were 10 years old. Got it? Now, where did that memory come from? Surely you don't think it was physically stored in your brain. It was a memory retained by your spiritual essence, 
and by summoning it with intent and the belief that you could, you drew it forth into your present moment. Now recall a memory that was created yesterday, at any time of the day. Got it? Good. Now you've brought forth something else. Where did it come from? Only moments ago, it was not there. And haven't you noticed that when you suddenly start thinking of a distant memory, as you dwell on it, more and more details begin flooding into your awareness? Now, one more exercise. Please recall the mechanics and tools used to raise each block of the Pyramids of Giza. What happened? You were using your pipeline a moment ago, but now it's dried up. We've been trained to believe that we don't know the answer because we weren't there when the blocks were raised. Yet we can intuitively know that our memory is not something that physically resides inside the brain. And we can know that we are all one. So wouldn't it be true that if another part of us was there, we were there? Moreover, as one with all things, we were there regardless of others being there. In my view, it would be true. It's simply that most of us have not yet learned to exercise the muscle that gives us such insight. Our disbelief keeps us from creating the intent that would be the prerequisite for such illuminations. And although this is exactly what happens during countless experiences of both astral projection and remote viewing, Ooh, I am going to try and get that word right. Xenoglossy is a fringe condition describing people who, typically under deep hypnosis, have knowledge of a language they've never learned. See also the search for Bridie Murphy. Fun book. Of course, because such stories do not jibe with our culture's present beliefs, they never make headlines. It's rationalized that the hypnotized individual must have been exposed to the language at some earlier point in his or her life. End of exploration. It doesn't matter that such stories have reappeared time and again, as do stories, incidentally, of reincarnation memories, ESP, and other paranormal occurrences. And this is exactly why further research into such phenomena is abandoned. Because it just isn't acceptable in our society's belief system to believe that spontaneous enlightenment occurs at all. Our limiting beliefs, as I said in the second chapter, dismiss any evidence of circumstances and events that don't agree with them. And so the subject is dropped. I'm going to repeat that one real quick because it kind of gets glossed over, but it's a very important passage. All right. It doesn't matter that such stories have reappeared time and again. It just isn't acceptable in our society's belief system to believe that spontaneous enlightenment occurs at all. That is why for the research of such phenomena is abandoned because our limiting beliefs dismiss any evidence 
of circumstances and events that don't agree with them. This is why you will never get anywhere if you attack someone from on their beliefs. Okay? They're already going to dismiss anything that doesn't jive with those beliefs. You have to show them something better and then get them to adopt the better. And that kind of squashes or zeroes out whatever other limiting belief sits underneath. Okay? The truth is, all knowledge and wisdom are immediately accessible to every one of us. They're ours for the taking, once we let up on the beliefs that keep them at bay. The point of mentioning all this isn't to catapult you into knowing all things instantaneously or having you speak in tongues but to help you begin tuning into your gifts from heaven to enhance your life bring about change and live your dreams which happily even in our spiritually primitive society is something most of us already believe is possible and we will we will stop there and we will come back tomorrow with creativity our link to divine mind alrighty so where was I wanted to make sure I said something earlier and he just kept going so where was it hmm memories we were talking about memories it's interesting to note scientifically that when you are recalling memories certain parts of your brain do light up but as of yet it's impossible as of yet although given the advances in scientific technology I don't know give it another decade maybe they can it's impossible to plug into the human brain and see what's actually going on in there we actually don't know if memories are actually kind of imprinted onto certain pathways in the brain that can be recalled at a moment's notice because the mind is the creation of the brain and yet the mind is pure energy and is not stored in the brain. It's the closest thing you can come to to describing a holographic computer. It can create endless pathways within itself, endless amounts of time, endless. I mean, our, our creative center is nuts limitless. Alright? You can think of a pink dinosaur, a pink dinosaur studded with rhinestones, tripping the light fantastic in Las Vegas. Can that happen in real life? No. You can even make it sound like Elvis Presley. In your head. Okay. 
you can imagine magic, you can imagine sci-fi, you can imagine other worlds, you can imagine space. You can imagine things that make sense, and you can imagine things that don't make sense. That's how powerful your imagination is. But it's, oh gosh, it's such a mind trip to sit there and actually contemplate that, okay? Your mind does and does not exist in the same breath. It has no physical properties. And yet it is the storehouse of all the things that you quote-unquote know. But it's not like a physical hard drive or CD that you put into a dock, or even look, we have memory sticks now, that you can just plug into a dock and just transfer the information. The mind is literally a projected computer. Wow, it's so crazy when you start thinking about this stuff. So. When he sits there and alludes back to the memory of your childhood, where did that memory come from? And he says, from your spiritual essence. It was a memory retained by your spiritual essence. And the cool part about that statement is he's partially right, partially not right. And yet both right and wrong at the same time. And yet, also quizzically, we can't do anything to prove him right or wrong at the same time. Because, again, this exists in the ephemeral, in the ethereal, in energy. You cannot put the mind in a box. You cannot plug in any physical computer to study its inner workings. Crazy, right? <laughs> so when he says a memory is retained by your spiritual essence I don't know is the mind the result of the soul activating your body do memories get stored in the mind do memories actually get stored in the brain or are different parts of the brain simply lighting up because of that that's the sequence that you need to access from whatever spiritual plane it comes from Ooh. There's a head trip. There's a head trip. What if our brains are just a really complex access key? And the mind we're all thinking that is our own is just the one mind on the other end of everything. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh yeah, I could I could get lost on that top topic of conversation. I will stop there. Eh. Okay. <clears throat> oh goodness, fun isn't it? All right, we will come back tomorrow. Harder. At creativity, our link to the divine mind, and I'm gonna give your brain a rest right now because those that was some heavy thinking there. Ooh, heavy thinking, but I want to keep thinking in that vein of thinking. Oh, that's tantalizing. I love having these these conversations. Alrighty. Oh, nope, stop, stop. Alright.
go ahead and go ahead and get in a little wiggle and do a little stretch and we will do our two minute brain break Just let your awareness settle into the space. Sorry about that. I uh, <clears throat> had a little bit of an interruption and I had to pause real quick. So I will see you guys tomorrow. We will continue chapter five and get some more energy juicy stuff. Hope that was mind blowing enough for you tonight. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you guys for listening. This is the podcast Sassafras. Have a great rest of your night. <laughs>